Are you frightened? Are you frustrated about what's happening in the world today? Hell yes, I am. Tune in to Everly Isby on Connecting the Dots. Yeah, I really am. She'll give a new perspective that makes sense of the insanity right here on Renegade Talk Radio. Looking for a verbal hand job? Release your frustrations and listen to Blunt Talk on Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation. This is Everly Isby. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad to be back on Connecting the Dots, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. In the last show, I talked briefly about the Bundy-Hammond incidents in both Nevada and Oregon. And I want to talk more into it because it is a perfect example of what is happening and has been happening for a long time. Most people only heard from the mainstream news about these incidents, and they described the Bundys, go horror press people, and those supporting them as armed terrorists who illegally took over the Department of Fish and Wildlife in eastern Oregon last winter, threatening public safety and impeding federal officials from doing their jobs. Does that ring a bell? (laughs) Is that what you remember vaguely? Because when I talk to people about this, I see this glimmer of faint recognition, but they really don't remember much about it. Well, I'm here to fill in the blanks and connect some dots, shall we? It's actually very important and relevant to us all. First, let's talk about the federal role over the public lands. Okay, come on. Hang in there, Renegade Nation. This is brief and good to know. Helps with the story. Federal role over public lands. Okay, the Constitution allows the federal government to possess land in three forms, territories, enclaves, and the third one is other property. Now, territories refers to the land that was owned by the federal government but had not been formally made into states yet, like Puerto Rico, Guam, American Samoa, you know, the territories. The enclaves referred to land within a state that was owned by the federal government for essential purposes, such as forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, stuff like that, essential things for the feds. Other property, the third one, refers to land holdings for enumerated purposes. And what that means is, uh, um, you know, like whatever benefited the good, the public good, um, like taking non-essential land and maybe selling it or something like that, and using that money to pay off debt or tax cuts. So that was about it. The current regime of federal land management is blatantly unconstitutional, okay? And the Constitution also does not authorize permanent land grabs by the federal government. So, what really happened at the Bundy Ranch in Nevada a few years back? Cliven Bundy, who's in his late 60s, I presume, um, has worked his ranch all his life. In fact, his family has worked the land since the late 1800s or thereabouts. It is and has always been his livelihood. And over the years, the BLM, which manages the public lands across the continent, but especially in the western states because the basically uninhabited lands are vast, so the state governments gave the federal government the job of managing, I'll say it again, managing a lot of the mostly uninhabited parts of the states in the west and pays them to do so. 
Uh, mostly, they're doing a really bad job of it, but I won't go into that here, but they really suck at it, and we're paying them to do it. Sound familiar? Let's call it mismanagement. But the BLM also charges private ranchers and farmers fees to graze cattle and sheep and so on and so forth on those public lands. Once again, public lands, the lands owned by the states and the people, not the federal government. So, but they take care of a myriad of things on, on the public lands. And over the years, the BLM has been changing its face and not working in the public interest. They continually raise the fees on these private ranchers and farmers and doing nasty, unauthorized, illegal schemes to deny water rights and destroy infrastructure built by private farmers and ranchers so that they cannot work their land. The BLM is impeding their ability to thrive as ranchers and farmers in an ongoing agenda to drive them out. Why would they do that? They're supposed to be working in the public interest for the people in the states. They're being paid to do so. And the Bundys are not an isolated or an unusual case. No. In the area of Nevada where the Bundy Ranch is, there are, there are hundreds of farmers and ranchers that have already been driven out, uh, out of business through the actions of the BLM and other federal actors. So what happened with the Bundys was a last stand on their part to protect their livelihood. And ranchers and others from over many states who understood his plight because they're going through it too, or are very familiar with the tactics of federal overreach, came to stand with him because the truth was on his side. He'd had an ongoing battle with the BLM for years, you know, legal battles, that kind of stuff. You can imagine how expensive that is, right? You're just a, a small rancher. So the BLM, without any lawful standing, stole a large number of his cattle, which led to the standoff. And they also began destroying the infrastructure on Bundy's own property that had been built and paid for by the Bundy's to control the flow of water over his land. So <clears throat> this dastardly deed was to make it so Bundy couldn't utilize the water because they had dismantled and destroyed it and they were throwing the pipes and stuff into the back of their trucks. So, so they did this, and this is the reasoning behind it, because according to the codes and regulations set forth from the federal side, if the farmers and ranchers can't or don't utilize the water for some reason, they lose their water rights altogether. And the Bundy Ranch had lawfully held those rights for generations. You see where this is going? I think it's pretty obvious. Okay, so the FBI and other mercenary actors were called in by the BLM, and the herding off of Bundy's cattle was set in motion, and guns were drawn on all sides. Thank God no shots were fired. But, you know, while this, just before this was going on, a small group of Bundy supporters uh, were checking out the perimeters and stuff, and they hiked up a hillside to find snipers hiding out who were probably going to fire a first shot, so there would be a massacre. Then they could or would most probably blame it on the people standing on the Bundy's side, claiming that his camp had fired first. But fortunately, they were routed out in time. So the BLM stood down, and they all packed in their vehicles, leaving the cattle to their rightful owners. I later heard an interview with Cliven Bundy, and he said he hadn't felt as safe in, in years as he now did. The threats and the intimidation tactics had ceased. Can you imagine living under those kinds of conditions? Armed thugs posing as employees of the federal government and working in the public interest, threatening your life and livelihood and your friends and neighbors as well? 
boils down to an illegal land grab for private corporate profits. Whatever it takes, steal private people's assets, leaving them with nothing and utilizing it for their own self-interested profits with no responsibility for their actions. Okay, now fast forward a year or so, we're going to get to the Bundy-Hammond Ranch standoff in eastern Oregon. The Malheur Wildlife Refuge in the National Fish and Wildlife Agency. I'm not going to go into detail on the actual standoff because I want to connect another dot here about what the federal has been doing. But I will say that when the Bundy Group took control of the National Fish and Wildlife, you know, the buildings for that uh, agency... It was closed down for the winter. There were no employees working there at all. Not until spring would these employees come back to work. The Bundys and their supporters were never a threat to the public. No shots were ever fired. No one was threatened. What they did was invite the press in to spread the truth of why they were there and what they were doing to help put a spotlight on the plight of thousands of people across the land. Of course, The mainstream press, where most people in the country ever even heard of this standoff, depicted these Americans as terrorists, scoffed at them, made them look like kooks. Oh yeah, 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 they were a threat to federal employees who weren't there, impeding them from their work on their winter break, and generally maligned what was really going on. So the majority of people just yawned and went on with their lives, ignorant of the truth, which is what the press is good for. Go back to sleep, America. The federal government is in control. These are despicable people, but we'll take care of it. Look over here instead. (laughs) So, let's get down to what's really happening in eastern Oregon and many other western states. As it turns out, there's a lot more to the story behind the Malheur Wildlife Refuge. A whole lot more. I'm quoting from an article here from IntelliHub, and I've provided the link. Um, The Hammond Ranch... This is quoting now. The Hammonds Ranch and other ranch lands surrounding this refuge sit atop a vast swath of precious metals, minerals, and uraniums that's heavily desired not only by the federal government, but foreign entities as well. Enter Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation. Ding, 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 ding. Hillary and her foundation are implicated in the dastardly scheme, along with the Russian state nuclear energy corporation, Rosatom, and a few dubious Canadian elite. You see, Rosatom wanted to expand their operations into America and needed a way in. So, in 2013, Rosatom acquired a Canadian company named Uranium One as part of a sinister side deal, which involved multiple parties. Ultimately, the deal opened a typically secure and closed door, thus allowing the Russians to salt their way into continental United States as part of a vast and extensive plan to to mine uranium ore out of states like Wyoming and Oregon. Also, in those, this I'm just out of the quote now, Wyoming, Oregon, Utah, Nevada, a lot of the western states have all of these riches, the resources that belong to the people. The deal was essentially brokered by Hillary and was run through the Clinton Foundation using Canadian-backed contributions as a cover. With one swoop of a pen, the bitch sold out the American people and one-fifth of America's uranium resources to the Russians. Unquote. Really? The Russians? According to Hillary and others in the D.C. warmongering group, Russia is enemy number one, and Putin, according to Hillary, is the new Hitler. That's her stance. 
But she's selling uranium to them? That's another national security issue on Hillary's side here because of what uranium is utilized, utilized for. I mean, we're talking about nuclear weapons and other wonderful things. Think about it. Hmm. So let's wrap up this Oregon standoff. At the ending point of this public re- outreach by the Bundys and their supporters, a public meeting had been set up in a neighboring county, and that county sheriff, who was known and had declared his oath to the Constitution, not to the state or federal corporations. Did you know that the sheriff of a county, any county, has more authority within his county than the governor of his state or even the federal government? A lot of people don't know that. A sheriff, if he's working for the people that elected him, can halt any federal encroachment towards private citizens within his county. He can kick out the IRS, the FBI, you name it. So this sheriff was going to attend this public meeting. The two SUVs owned by the Bundys on one hand and the other owned by Lavoy Finnegan left the refuge area to travel to the meeting and speak. They were totally unarmed and had never threatened anyone at any time during the entire standoff. It was an extraordinarily peaceful standoff. I I watched it as it was going on. They were even cleaning up the warehouses that were left a mess by the National Fish and Wildlife employees. I mean, they were improving the site. They also were constantly talking to county, state, and federal officials and explaining that they had no other recourse to do this any other way. They'd exhausted all correct protocols previously attempted to rectify their issues. They made it abundantly clear that they were forced into this situation to bring this to the country's awareness so that an important dialogue could be opened up that would lead, lead to a positive outcome across the country, not just in their backyard. So the Bundy car was pulled over at one point and all were arrested on their way to the public meeting. And Lavoy Vinicum, who was uh, a ways back on the road, was ambushed by federal and state mercenaries. As I described in the last show, as he drove around a bend with, you know, pine trees on each side, you know, he couldn't see, came around the bend on the highway and he was traveling and those who were traveling with him were met with a roadblock totally blocked by state and federal vehicles and sniper fire from the trees erupted at Finnegan's SUV as they came around the bend. No warning. They didn't even wait for him to stop. Lavoy, a courageous man, wishing to protect those traveling with him, stepped out of his vehicle under continuous fire. He got out with his hands up and moved away from the vehicle to protect the others. And they shot him nine to eleven times. The second shot was the murder shot because it went directly in his face, but they just kept firing into him. Why? Luckily, the other people traveling in the SUV survived, and they were arrested Well, lucky only because they were alive, thank God. The Bundy brothers have been in solitary confinement ever since. What did they do to merit solitary confinement? Well, they stood up to the BLM. Clive and Bundy, their father, who was not a part of the Oregon standoff at all, flew up to Portland, Oregon to see his sons in jail and was arrested at the airport. What did Cliven do? He'd broken no laws. None. Does that make your blood boil? Does mine. So I'm going to take a break here. And when I come back, Renegade Nation, I'm going to talk about the presidential run, even if it makes me sick. What a farce. But we have to connect dots here. This is Everly Isby on Renegade Talk Radio, and thank you for listening. (laughs) 
Do you want to launch your dream business and avoid a nightmare? Starting and growing a business can be risky. Learn from serial entrepreneur Heather Havenwood. Join her weekly on Renegade Talk Radio with her show, The Win. How to Win as an Entrepreneur. Business ownership can be a dream or a nightmare. Avoid the pitfalls from a veteran entrepreneur, Heather Havenwood, from bankruptcy to financial freedom. Join Heather Weekly on The Win here on Renegade Nation. Nonstop shock radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello there. This is Everly welcoming y'all back to Connecting the Dots on Renegade Talk Radio. You know, in my show, I talk a lot into the corporatocracy that's running everything. And that is what our government is. I keep saying this over and over because I want to drill it into you. Our government is a corporation, mostly foreign-owned, mind you, and working for profit for themselves and the moneyed interests behind these corporations. They are totally disconnected from their original function, which is to work as paid employees for the union of all the states of America and in the interests of the states and the people. Sorry for being redundant there, but it's the truth and it needs to be known and people don't get this. They really don't. So they're totally disconnected from us. Isn't that obvious? That's why the Bundy incidents happened. The people were standing up to these federal agencies that are destroying their lives, as we all have every right to do, because they are our employees. We pay for everything. These people wouldn't have their jobs, their careers, without the money coming out of our pockets to fund them every day and in every way. Well, the outcome of those incidents happened the way they did because they are not agencies of government. The BLM, National Fish and Wildlife, Department of Health and Human Services, the IRS, the CDC, you name it. They are all independent, loosely affiliated private corporations operating as subsidiaries and franchises to international parent companies to foreign self-interests. Go look it up on Dun & Bradstreet. So, anyway... But the corporations themselves are not responsible for their actions, even committing murder, as we see with Lavoy Finicum and so many other unarmed people who are gunned down by the militarized police we have in all our cities. They say, for example, that it's about racism. It's not. That's the facade they set up to divide and conquer us. It's not about racism or religion or terrorism. But that's what they ram down our throats over incidents like this. It's their cover for their illegal actions. That's what corporations are designed to do. Protect the people running them from personal liability. And I'd like to add that it's not just the federal level. It's also on the state and county levels as well. They're acting in conflict of interest to their contracted roles. It's a charade, but a very dangerous one that involves murder, theft, fraud, semantic deceit, and violating their own commercial charters by not telling us what they're doing in their supposed contract with us. The people who pay them to provide these services. That's contract law. A contract is void unless there is full disclosure and full transparency in the deal. Why are they not telling us who and what they are? That's the laws of commerce and equity where corporations reside. As corporations contracting with us, they're breaking their own laws by not telling us what they're doing. Oh, my God. Think back to the Oregon, Oregon land and its minerals and vast uranium deposits. Hillary and her cronies setting up private deals to destroy people's lives for personal and corporate profit. 
And the charade goes on because people do not understand these basic facts. But that's understandable, as we were never told these important facts and have been spoon-fed a false reality our entire lives for generations. Speaking of charades, let's talk about Hillary and Trump, the Trumpster. A lot of people are turning to Trump. I mean... Where else can they go? Even though they're rightfully skeptical at the same time. Anything other than Hillary, right? I saw this article yesterday, so I've included it in my links. But in this article, they talk about the fact that in this presidential run this time around, the rulers are putting on an entertainment show, which has lost its ability to convince and persuade. It's just too damn fake. That's a quote from the article. I'm not going to go into the article itself much, but it also speaks into how they're rigging the elections, the technology of fractionalizing the actual votes. One vote can be fractionalized into a quarter percent or an eighth of a percent, not a full vote. So it's an interesting article. You might want to check it out. But it looks very much like this country really doesn't like Hillary. Who could? There's just so much shit following her. How could they seriously? But you know, the mainstream media is reporting on all the leaks, the scandals, her health problems. You know she's out, if the mainstream is talking about it. I just wonder who they've got in mind to step in. Hmm. I see they're actually green-screening some of Hillary's public appearances, by the way. Did you hear about that? I saw a photo caption of an audience waiting to hear Hillary speak someplace, and it shows Hillary at the podium from the camera taking the shot. But the camera shot includes people in front of that camera holding up their phones to take snapshots. And when they magnified into one of the phone screens in the shot, it showed a totally different picture. Hillary was not up there at the podium. You know, I'm still trying to figure that one out. And what I'm saying may seem kind of ridiculous. But when I saw this screenshot, I remembered an interview a long time ago. I don't know when, uh, maybe in the 90s, somewhere around there. Uh, And I think it was with John Lear. And if you're not familiar with John Lear, he's the son of Bill Bill Lear, Lear Jets fame. Um, Totally military connected. He flew for the CIA in Vietnam. He's got a resume down the yin-yang. Anyway, so he was in this interview, and he was talking about a really good friend of his who worked in the movie business in Hollywood. And this friend of his had told him he'd been in, that he'd received an invitation to go to this presentation about the future of Hollywood in the technological world, you know, something along that line. And so all the bigwigs were there. And uh, everybody before it started were kind of talking to each other and saying, you know, I don't know what they can tell us that we don't already know. We're the ones developing this technology stuff, you know. And so, but then all of a sudden this man came down the center aisle of where the audience was and walked up to the stage, went up the stairs and went behind the podium and started this speech. And everybody was kind of, you know, discreetly looking at each other because this guy was not, it was boring. He wasn't saying anything at all that they, it was just like old news. And then he concluded his speech and left the stage, went down the stairs, and went back the way he came, going back up the aisle. And halfway up the aisle, poof, he disappeared. And, the, and, and, and so, therefore, they had hologram technology to such a, a perfected form that people who create these kinds of technologies and are, you know, their optics of how they look at things is, is extraordinary. And yet they had thought that was a real human being. So they had the technology for, they, for a long time. 
So anyway, oh, by the way, have you checked out Sky Pilot Radio for the music you really don't hear anymore on corporate radio? It's not just the greatest, greatest hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It includes other hits you just don't hear anymore. Takes you back to a different time and place. Great radio. I'm taking a break right now. Um, uh, when I come back, I'm going to be starting off with the Trumpster. So this is Everly saying I'll be right back. Thank you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hey, I'm back. It's Renegade Talk Radio. And I have to confess that I have a weird way of looking at things. People tell me that. (laughs) You know, a lot of people really don't like what I say. But that makes me feel good. I'm certainly not normal. I'm way out of the box and glad to. Glad to be. Because when you climb out of a box, you get to see a hell of a lot more than those who must stay in their box. They're invested in it. No, I want reality, even if I don't like it. I want to know the truth so that I can live my life on my own terms, not some pablum from supposed authority figures or experts. Ugh, experts. Idiots is what they are. Screw off. Uh, okay, so, Trump. Hmm. From what I'm uh, hearing, people that I talk to, some are really for him. They're so excited. But the majority kind of go, I don't know if I trust him. He says some ridiculous things. He's all over the place. You, you don't know what he's going to say next. Is that someone I trust to be president? I just don't know. And then here's always the same line that always ha- that always comes out. But what other choices do we really have? <laughs> But I mean, like that speech he made the other day in Arizona, they're at the southern border and the illegal immigration situation down there is just insanity. I mean, Richie lived there for some time and he verified that one on one of our conversations. So Trump is, of course, pandering to them. The most ridiculous thing to me, though, is that he's absolutely committed to building this gargantuan wall at the southern border. From California through Texas. Oh, really? That's so logical, Donald. The Mexican president that he met with just before the speech said he would not contribute financially to the erection of such a wall. (laughs) Can you blame him? (laughs) I don't want to pay for it either. What the frick do we need with a wall? This isn't Palestine. What an insult to the integrity of human beings. Donald, Donald, we have technology. Put up some sensors along the border and beef up personnel. That can be accomplished fairly quickly and and in less time and expense. So then we just start applying the laws that have long been on the books that control the movement of people across our borders. That'd be so much more efficient and it wouldn't scar our view to the south. I mean, think about the people who live near the borders. They look out their windows and see this ugly wall every day of their lives. Honey, do you think we've been like, we're in a time warp back to another life and we're now in East Germany during the Cold War? Where are we? Trump appears to be an intelligent man, a very successful businessman, but what is going on in his head? It's just a little too scary for me. Oh my God, this is the United States of America, and that's the best we've got? Please. Bread and circuses, people. In that article I just spoke about last segment, they link Trump 
to some people that make me cringe. So check it out. And who is the Donald if he isn't Mr. Corporation himself? Seems to me he'll fit right in with the corporatocracy, and he does. But the establishment just doesn't seem to like him. Even right-wing Republican neocons are saying they'll stand behind Hillary. But as the article points out, it proves that it is a one-party system because the establishment is bound and determined to get the right one in. And that's because she's a war hawk. She wants to go to war with countries like Russia and China. These people are so out of touch with reality, so arrogant in their need for domination, they're pushing for nuclear war. You know, I said in an earlier show that the U.S. changed the policy regarding nuclear exchange. You know, we survived the Cold War without a nuclear exchange because it was agreed that no one should make the first strike. They came to the logical conclusion that it would lead to total annihilation of the planet. It just wasn't fun enough in the end. But recently, the U.S. upped their policy to allow for first strike capability, a preemptive strike, which in turn forced Russia and China to do the same. Who's the aggressor, renegade nation? So now we've got at least three major, major players with their fingers poised over buttons as this geopolitical insanity of shifts and changes and the continuing isolation of the U.S. by the rest of the world and what I can only describe as the resultant arrogant paranoia of these D.C. think tank people from think tank land is humming along rather rapidly now. What a world! Oh my god. Hey, what if they threw a presidential election and no one showed up to vote? I think that's a great idea. Don't vote. In fact, go down to your local election board and rescind your registration. Just say, I made a mistake. I take it back. Our votes don't count anyway. They're showing us it's all rigged. In fact, it's not even our election. What average human being gets to elect a corporate CEO or top executives of a private corporation? Nobody. We're not involved in these decisions. No, the board of directors and moneyed interests controlling the corporations select these people. It's not our election, renegade nation. The whole election process is just a dog and pony show that is paraded in front of the ignorant masses to give them an illusion that their votes count. Poppycock. Rescind your voter registration and stop consenting to this crap. If you don't consent, they fall apart. Oh, this just came to mind. You know, our national debt. I keep hearing different numbers, like, uh, I don't know, is it 16 trillion? Anywhere from 16 to 23 trillion? What? Don't they know? Oh, and when you talk trillions, it's really hard to get your head around about how much money that really is. How much is a trillion dollars? Just one trillion. So I provided a link that gives you the correct visual. It's great. But did you know that in this Federal Reserve world of fractional banking, the debit credit system that it is, for every debt, there is a credit. Did you know that? It's true. Plus, that debt 
isn't ours, Renegade Nation, although they are definitely trying to put that monkey on our backs again. But no, it's not our debt. We pay the federal corporation with the majority of the money we ourselves make through our labor. They just can't seem to control their spending. It's their debt. The private, mostly foreign-owned for-profit corporations have created their own debt. So it's their problem, not ours. Oh, and the bankruptcy liquidation situation of the United States Incorporated and the United States of America Incorporated are going through? It's their bankruptcy. The country itself is not bankrupt. The federal corporation is, and it's all their fault, not ours. They can go stick it. If that doesn't make sense to you, then you really need to read that book I told you about. It's called, You Know There's a Problem When... An American Affidavit of Probable Cause by Anna Maria Reitzinger and James Clinton Belcher. I'm going to keep pushing this book. They just came out also, also, they just came out with an e-book that you can get for $3. I put the link up for that too. It's a good read, by the way. It's not dry or dull or hard to understand. It's actually set up kind of like a, a comic book. It has great illustrations to clarify their points and help you laugh. Read that book and you'll understand exactly why the $23 trillion debt is not our debt and the States of America is not bankrupt. Nope, not us. We're just fine. But as I said... The criminal syndicate running these corporations have been trying to stick their debts from their fraudulent casino racketeering games onto our backs and stealing our assets and resources at the same time. But the people behind this book and many other people around this country have and are taking lawful actions to stop them. And a growing number of people in this country are joining them to take this country back. So, you know, when we get the real picture... We can join in a single voice for once on the root of the actual problem. The cancer that's eating away our country and every single one of us. Let me say out there that this is not just a U.S. problem. This stretches far and wide. Our dilemma is that we complain about all the surface issues of this great fraud that we can see around us every day. We're all over the board when we complain. That's what happened with um, Occupy Wall Street. Right action, but talking about so many different issues, it it, it lost its power. It's time to get to the head of the beast, what the real issue is. Then we have the power. We're not running around with our hair on fire screaming about the details. Oh, anyway, I know I rant about this stuff. I just can't help myself. It's just too important not to drive it home. I'm sorry, I'll try to do a little better on this, but, and it's been fun, but it's time for me to go now. Uh, in my next show, I'm going to get into the triumvirate of power, along with whatever happens in the insanity of our, our world each day. Thanks for listening, Renegade Nation. This is Everly Isby, connecting the dots right here on Renegade Talk Radio. And remember, keep your sense of humor. It's our only guard against insanity.